Hey, good evening, Mosaic. Really, really excited to be worshiping with y'all this evening. If y'all would stand and let's go ahead and worship our Lord and Savior tonight. Sing worthy of every song. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Sing Jesus, the name above. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one you could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. Oh, we live for you. Holy and holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. Let's sing that verse again, worthy of every song. To believe this, sing it to him. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. Oh, we live for you, holy and holy. There is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up.
and hope as we wait, we sing. I will. And I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation and I will put my trust in you alone. And I will not be shaken. I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. And I will put my trust in you. Welcome. We're so glad you're here with us tonight. Happy 2022. I missed last week, so sorry. I have to like, I feel like it's so fresh. But uh, my name is Colin. I actually serve here uh, with our community ministry. And if you're new, uh, welcome. We would love, love, love to meet you before you leave tonight. And uh, I'd love for you to go ahead and uh, take a seat. With the pandemic, I was very isolated. I wanted to come back. I wanted to have that community and I wanted to spend time in God's word and I needed that accountability and it was amazing. I got the chance to really connect with some of the other women, especially some of the older women that I just so appreciated learning from and hearing their life experience and their encouragement and affirmation of me was just so uh, life-giving. So in 2020, I graduated from college and I was praying for God to just open something up in my life. And so I knew the biggest thing in my life that he told me to do is start finding community. And so that was one of the reasons I joined Mosaic. And then I saw that there was a Bible study with a women's group and I knew that this was the perfect way to get in and get involved more in my community. The experience has been absolutely amazing. Um, it's been life-changing for me, honestly. It really opened my eyes to God's word and kind of sparked a fire in my heart for not only studying God's Word, but teaching it. That really was not on my radar. I didn't think that I could teach the Bible. Yes, I had teaching experience, but teaching the Bible felt intimidating. God goes above and beyond what we could ever dream, and this is one of those instances where He has taken something that I didn't know I, I wanted to do. I didn't know I wanted to teach the Bible and has given me the opportunity to do it, and now I can't wait to, to do it more. 
I was really praying for God to open a door for me to find the community, and this is exactly what it did for me. I am surrounded by an amazing group of women that are supportive. Um, I'm also learning that every woman is different in their faith and their walks of faith, and that um, we can trust in each other and we can learn from each other. It's been worth it to just be more plugged into my community and learning, and it's shown what consistency and faithfulness looks like. It has been absolutely worth the commitment. It is worth it for the accountability that keeps me in God's Word every day doing the homework and getting to fellowship with other women and getting their wisdom that they pour into my life each week. I just look forward to Thursday morning so much. Does that not make you want to study the scriptures? I mean, oh my goodness, Carrie Tucker, Melissa Church, Amy Smart, Meredith Jackson, these women are ferocious, godly, biblically literate ladies in our congregation who are continuing to bring about opportunities for you. And so I don't know in the resolutions of 2022 if you have any yet. Um, I'd encourage you to what the, the saints have always called a rule of life. That is a pattern of walking this day-to-day, moment-by-moment with God in this world. And what I'd love to do tonight is even put some opportunities in front of you that are coming your way uh, for you to, to go deeper in your walk with God and, and, and together as a body. So first, uh, ladies, where you at? Come on, ladies, where you at? Online, let's see some typing. Uh, first thing, uh, I want to put our, uh, another slide, sorry, besides the training center. I'll come back to that one, Jane. My bad. I think I'm out of order here. Boom. That one. Tonight in uh, uh, Booth C, uh, we got a few of our lady leaders who actually have done some of those studies and have more coming uh, here in, in the winter and in the spring. And ladies, if you're feeling isolated, if you're feeling alone, if you're feeling like, I want to grow deeper in God's word with other women, I just don't know where to go, Boothsy right after this. They have some incredible opportunities for you, as well as if you're like gung-ho, ready to jump in even after the video, um, there's a brunch tomorrow here on campus at the Lodge. Uh, Boothsy, they'll have more information, but uh, it's a sweet place to go ahead and start discussing and experiencing some life-on-life relationships with other women. So ladies, if you, if you feel isolated or alone in this time, uh, we as a church want to come alongside you and actually see what Jesus has in store for you uh, with a small group of ladies. So, Also, uh, two training opportunities here. We, we are all about our whole church exists to get the heck out of the way of what Jesus wants to do in your heart and soul. We call it producing and releasing spiritual leaders. And so we believe that you're in this seat tonight for a reason. And it's not just to come in here and tithe or, or, or have a great worship service. It's actually to be used by God and his kingdom in Northwest Arkansas and the world. And so a couple of, of training opportunities coming your way. One uh, is a line, our, our very own Don Reed works with our community team. It is incredible. Um, and sometimes, I don't know about you, it, it seems like I'm all good worshiping Jesus until it comes to my finances. <laughs> and then I start to get stressed. This class is an incredible opportunity, an amazing way for you to get to the heart of God, the ultimate giver of all good things, and how we can actually join him in this life with our finances. So Don, it's an amazing, amazing opportunity. If you want to check out the link, uh, sign ups, we're taking them now. The next one is actually uh, Panorama. If you really want to go deeper into your understanding of the scriptures, uh, we got our very own Dr. Robert Cup, um, one of the, our favorite pastors around here, uh, is actually coming in to to teach and lead this class, I'd encourage you, if you don't already have some way that you're trying to interact with God this next year to have some spiritual training, 
whether it's a lady, a women's studies for you ladies, if it's a uh, align your finances, or if it's panorama, I, I encourage you, please don't, don't take these opportunities to waste because they're really great ways for us to continue to grow in maturity like Jesus. Cool? Um, and I don't know if you feel this way, but sometimes after the holidays, there's just kind of a big, right? Like there's this chance to breathe, to slow down. And if you're like me, I got to Thursday and I was already out of breath again. <laughs> and it seemed like the anxiety and the stress and the like, I was ready to go into the new year. And now I'm like, I kind of want to go back on vacation uh, or, or some of the feelings or things happening in there. If you're in a season right now where you're just looking for some help, someone to listen, someone to love, uh, Anya, our, our counseling and care center right out front, I can speak from experience, does an amazing job. We actually have uh, one of their own and one of our own, Rodney Holmstrom, teaching us tonight too. But uh, in particular, if you're walking through a pretty intense season of grief um, out of the holidays, if this was the first holiday um, or maybe several holidays without a loved one, and you're looking for a place to be able just to go and heal and process, we're going to have a grief share um, with our, our counseling center here pretty soon. Again, if you'll follow that link, it'll have all the information for you. And uh, speaking of released leaders, I'd love to invite up Tom Toomer. Um, Tom is actually uh, one who leads with our prayer team here. And did you know that before you even took a seat in this room tonight, that there was a team of people who were praying over you to encounter and know the living Christ in this place. And so what we've been doing in this season is we like to take once a month just a chance to come together to pause and pray with one another. And so with that, Tom, take it away. Thanks, Colin. So I thought to begin with, I thought, um, let's give a little bit of a vision of why we're doing what we're doing. I don't know about you, but even as Colin was saying, life is crazy, isn't it? And so part of our hope is as we come in here that we can just relax and slow down and breathe. And so we've got the diagram up there of of just simply relax. And so I want you to just take three deep breaths. Just go deep and just let yourself relax right now. And tonight as we refocus on God, we're going to listen to his word to us about his love for us. But before we do that, is there anything you need to release to him tonight? Is there anything that's just on your heart or on your mind that you just need to go, God, I give this to you to where I can refocus Go ahead and do that. I want to draw our attention to Colin's agape um, diagram that he did during Advent. And at the very top, the whole idea of receive and rest in God's love. And so I'm going to invite us to do that right now. And I'm going to read God's word over you. It will be on the screen as well. But can I invite you to just close your eyes and listen and receive this as God speaking to you. So Jeremiah 31.3 says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. 
and therefore I have drawn you with loving kindness. Or another translation says, cords of love. Can we just sit and hear that from God tonight? I have loved you with an everlasting love, a love from beginning to end that does not stop. And I have drawn you with cords of love. And if you're like me, sometimes those cords of love have been pain, deep pain that God has said, no, Tom, I want you to know you need me. And so right now, could you just in the quietness of your own heart tell God, God, Jesus, I desperately need you. Isaiah 43, 4. God says, since you are precious in my sight, since you're honored, and I love you. Can you receive that from God? That you are precious as he looks at you. You're honored. You have great value. And he says, I love you. Receive that. First John, John says we love because God first loved us. And in a minute, I'm going to invite you to just simply tell God how much you love him. I remember the very first time that I told God I loved him. And I remember the impact that that had on my heart. And so could you right now, wherever you are, to whatever degree you can, just simply breathe a simple prayer to God. God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, I love you. Would you join me now out loud just saying that to God? Ready? God, I love you. Father, you know where we are in our hearts. You know the struggles and the stretches. And so as best we can, we do. We say that to you tonight. We love you.
Help us to grow in knowing you so that our love for you would grow. We pray because of you, Jesus. Amen. Family, would you stand with us tonight? And uh, I'd hate for you to, to just come into this place and just go through the, the motions so kids are dropped off and we made it, so let's just hide. I'd actually love for us to join in with what the saints from millennia now have been doing together, that is gathering and praising our God, fixing our affection and our attention on the personal work of Jesus, singing songs and hymns over one another and resting under God's word tonight. So I encourage you, would you join us in this place? Can we leave this time together knowing that we gave Jesus the worship and the honor and the space that he rightfully deserves? Sing it with us.
prepare for the offering. We have plates, plates that will be passed. And uh, we have a prayer we like to pray that, that asks God just to conform our hearts to his heart as the giver. And so if you wouldn't mind, would you pray this prayer out loud with us? Oh, Father, giver of all, every good and perfect gift comes from you. We ask you to accept these gifts and use them to your glory. May they bring shelter to the homeless, comfort to the sick, rest to the weary, and hope to the hopeless. As you multiplied the offering of fish and loaves, multiply these to accomplish more than we can ask or imagine. We give freely and not under compulsion. For all we have is yours, Lord. Nothing we can give could match your great gift to us, your son and your spirit. Amen.
through the last couple of years that have been kind of crazy and weird and different. And even if that trend continues in 2022 and on, you'll still be with us. And so I just pray over Rodney as he comes up to speak tonight and that you would speak through him, that you would allow our hearts to be open, that we would be good soil for your word to grow. Um, and I just thank you for who you are, God. It's in your name, sweet Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, good evening, Mosaic. So good to see you guys tonight. I'm Rodney Holmstrom. I serve uh, as the Celebrate Recovery pastor here at Fellowship, and also I do some counseling at the Counseling and Care Center. And, and I consider Mosaic, Fellowship Mosaic, my home. So honored to be here with you uh, tonight. Uh, if you missed last week, we launched into a new series, uh, Jonah, and and I'm going to recap that, but there's a statement that's kind of resonating in my heart as I think about as we move into chapter two, and it's this thought, this idea that when we run from God's plan, it leads to misery and death. And Sam did a great job last week as he unpacked chapter one, where he, he, he reminded us that the main character in this story is God and his faithfulness. But I have this curious posture as I'm leaning in to kind of understand, and we'll kind of get into this a little bit, why we see what we're seeing from Jonah. But let me do a little bit of recap on chapter one that Sam covered last week. But as we do that, can I just caution you and maybe encourage you to, to not look at this as a story that would just inform us, that would transform us, that we would look into this story and we'd say, where do I see my story in Jonah's story? Where do I see the way I run from God, the way I react when things seem hard and difficult? Could we do that tonight? That we would walk out of here, not just hearing and being informed about God's word, but that it would transform us. 
How will this change me tonight? So just to recap from last week, chapter one is we see that God instructs Jonah to go to Nineveh and, and to preach, to preach to some really bad people. And what does Jonah do? He rejects that. He ignores it. In fact, he runs completely in the opposite direction from the Lord. And then what do we see? We see that, that God causes a storm. Now, I could do a whole separate teaching on, on how one person's choices affect other people. And we saw that in, in chapter one when he was on the boat and the storm came. And because of Jonah's choices, we see sailors are affected by Jonah's choice. But we won't, we won't have time to get into that tonight. I think God causes a storm and then Jonah gets thrown overboard by these sailors, and now we see this large fish swallow up Jonah in the bottom of the sea. Sounds like a really bad day, doesn't it? So Jonah, his choices, his disobedience, his rejection of God's plan has landed him in his own storm at the bottom of an ocean in the belly of a fish. I can't even imagine what that smelt like. Misery. And it's easy for me to, to be judgmental toward Jonah, but my posture is, is kind of one of curiosity. Aren't you curious why someone would blatantly reject the plan of God? Why would we go in the opposite direction? Well, curiosity gets me to lean into this, and I start wondering, who were the people that God was calling Jonah to preach to? These were some pretty wicked people. In fact, these people would actually behead and fillet their own relatives, the people. They would dump them into a pit. I mean, we're talking about wicked, evil, despicable people. It would make sense to me, and Sam alluded to this last week, that maybe, just maybe, there was a little bit of fear that Jonah was going through. I know I would be a little bit fearful. It would be the equivalent of God saying, Rodney, I want you to become a missionary and go to Iraq. That's the modern-day Iraq, and that would bring up some anxiety and some fear for me. So it makes sense that, that there may be some fear. And if we're understanding, and what I've learned in my own walk and even in my own practice, that, that there's usually, with fear, there's some anxiety. Anxiety is a state, and it usually attaches itself to a function, and that is fear, it has to have a function, and when we don't attach it to the right source in God and having fear in God, instead fear in things, it takes us off course. And I, my curiosity is, I wonder what it would have been like if, if Jonah would have gone to God and said, I'm afraid, I'm anxious about this plan, but God, I'm going to follow it, but I need your help. I need your strength and your power to help me face what I'm about to face. But he doesn't. We don't know the real reason why he didn't do this plan, but we can presume that maybe there was some fear. And so he ran. He didn't just run physically 2,500 miles in the opposite direction to Spain, Tarshish. He, he ran uh, physically. He ran spiritually. He rejected God's plan. And he ran emotionally, too. As I was looking at chapter 1, I'm seeing this massive storm. It had to be really bad because these are sailors that are used to seeing storms, and it stressed them out. If I see guys that are used to storms getting stressed out, I know it's bad. And where, where is Jonah? He's in the belly of the boat sleeping. And we can say, well, man, he's just, check, he's just being lazy. I think he was emotionally checked out. 
When we get apart from God's purpose in our plan and our life, we emotionally shut down and we lose all sense of, of, of drive and we just get numb and frozen. And I think he was emotionally shutting down and running from God in this space too. Pretty miserable guy. I kind of feel sorry for him a little bit. Even though he was doing something that was causing his life to spiral out of control and now he's in the belly of a large fish. But I love how God's ways are always higher. We cannot outrun God's love. We cannot outrun his mercy. And we see this beautiful picture of God pursuing a guy who is unfaithful and rejecting the very thing that he's asked him to do. And God, in his loving, merciful way, continues to pursue him. Isn't that cool? God is doing that. So we can't miss how we got to this point before we turn the corner. When we're reading God's word, we, it's important that we look what came prior before we jump into what we're reading. So it gives it more weight and understanding of what we're about to experience in God's word. And verse 17 of chapter one is telling for me, now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Jonah's rebellion had him in this place, and yet God still shows mercy. Now, Jonah may not have felt like God was being merciful in the moment. I don't know about you. I wouldn't be real excited about being swallowed by a large fish. But God was showing mercy. He was showing up for him in his mess, in his rebellion, showing him mercy in that dark place. Because here's the reality, and I see my own story in this, that that Jonah didn't deserve God's mercy. In fact, justice says we deserve the worst for our choices. And Jonah deserved to be left alone for dead in that water for his rebellion toward the Lord. But God's mercy says, I'm not going to give you what you deserve. That should give us all hope that if God could do that for Jonah, he could do that for you and I. I deserve the worst. And yet his mercy says, I'm not gonna give it to you, Jonah. And so he has him swallowed up by a fish, and that takes us to chapter two, verse one. From inside a fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. Now, isn't it interesting when we start feeling heat, we all of a sudden become very spiritual. <laughs> God, I'm so sorry, I'm here. Let me get back on track. And that's exactly what Jonah's doing right here. And he says in this dark place, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me from the deep, in the realm of the dead. He's, he's giving us a vivid picture that he's hanging on by a thread right here. A very descriptive picture here. I called for help and you listened to my cry. The pain, this pain is getting Jonah's attention. In Celebrate Recovery, we say this often that it's not when we see the light, but when we feel the heat. And I think Jonah is feeling the heat right here and he's crying out, help me in this place, in my pain. It's got my attention, I need help. And he's crying out to the only one that can rescue him. Pain has a way of getting our attention, doesn't it? God uses pain. He doesn't always cause it, but he will use that pain that is there to get our attention because he wants to bring us back to himself. That's how much he loves us. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he loved Jonah in this place question is, what will I do with the pain when the pain comes up? I think when we run from God's plan, it truly does lead to misery. 
You know, there's a German word for misery, it's Eland. And, and I, I think the definition is fitting to what we're talking about here. The translation of Eland, misery, is this, that we wander away from our native land and we stay in a state of homesickness. Whew. That is the definition of where Jonah is. He's in a place of wandering away from God's plan, God's direction, and he is living. I think Jonah's living in a place of misery and near death, especially spiritual death. Misery taking me away from the Father. Jonah was trying to play God. He thought that what he was trying to do, he thought was best instead of doing what God knew best. And it didn't work out too well. And now he's in the middle of this space. So the next few verses are a very vivid descriptor and, and, and very vivid description of, of a man who is broken. The results of a man who is, who, who's made some choices that found him on this misery island of sorts, literally hanging on by a thread, disconnected from God, facing uncertain death. Now listen to this vivid language starting in verse 3. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled around me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Sea seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath, beneath me barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. If you were sitting across a table with someone having coffee and they're talking about this, your jaw would hit the floor. What? That happened? How did you survive that? It's a very vivid picture of a man who's broken and crying for help. Verse 7, when my life was ebbing away, he knows he's dying. He knows that he's in bad shape. I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. Now we see this thanksgiving, praise of thanksgiving coming in. But I will shout with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed. I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. Now, we don't know. This is a very open-handed text. We don't really know what Jonah's heart was in this space, but we can make some assumptions. But if you read that at, at first glance, it looks like a man who is very broken, who's, who's ready for change in his life, right? It feels like it. I mean, he's really putting these, these words in. He feels like he's putting his heart out there. But if we look a little bit closer, we can see a man who, in fact, may not be broken, but instead is just regretting the place that he's in. He wants away from this pain. Just get me out of the pain instead of help me deal with the source of the pain. And that's a dangerous place to be. There's almost a, a victim mentality that I see in Jonah in this, in this text. You know, the victim that, that we, we take the circumstances and instead of taking responsibility, even if it wasn't our fault, we take responsibility for the healing process. When we have made poor choices, that victim mentality is that I'm not going to own it. I'm not going to take responsibility and 
fully own up to it so that I can move toward change. And I see this victim mentality in, in Jonah. I wanna go back to verse four so you can see where I see this victim mentality. Maybe you can see it. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look toward your holy temple. Now there's two powerful takeaways that I see in that short little verse. One is you can almost hear this deep sigh, almost like, I've been banished from your sight. One translation in the ESV says, you have driven me from your sight. Now, can we take a time out right there? Somebody moved in this equation, and it wasn't God. It was Jonah. God had a plan for him, and guess who went the other way? Jonah. And yet he's saying, you have driven me from your sight. Jonah, hello, wake up. You drove yourself away from the Father. So there's a victim mentality, not taking responsibility. The second thing I see is he didn't change his path. It would have been good for him to say, you know what? I messed up, God. I should have followed your way. I'm in a mess. Thank you for rescuing me. I apologize. I will go to Nineveh. It's scary. I'm anxious about this. I'll follow your plan, God, but I'm sorry that I got myself into this. Will you forgive me? I love what James Watts says about this prayer. He says, the prayer ignores the essential issue between the prophet and God. Jonah's refusal of a prophetic commission. See, there's something lacking in Jonah's prayer. It looks like he's there, like he's finally owned up to it, but it's lacking something big, and that is his heart. There's no full repentance. You know, through the years, my 16 years on staff here with Celebrate Recovery, I visited a lot of people in jail. And, and sometimes I see people that come out and they get their life together and you see incredible miracles. But too often I will see somebody, especially early on, they're, they're across the glass and they're looking at me and they're saying, I don't like where I am. If I can just get out of here, I'll lead Bible studies the rest of my life and, and I'll do all kinds of spiritual things. And what they're missing is the repentance side of it. In fact, I think repentance, we can kind of misuse this sometimes. It, it can be defined as we're going one direction and we turn around and we go a different direction. That is the function of repentance. If you look at the, the, the word repent, it comes from the Greek word metanoia and it literally means to change my mind. And so I'm going this direction and I'm trying to play God with my life just like Jonah was doing. And I come to this place and this brokenness and I realize this is not working. The pain has got my attention. Lord, I changed my mind. I need you to be Lord of my life. I changed my mind and the result, the function is I'm going to go in the other direction. Jonah missed the important ingredient of changing his mind. He just turned around and went the other direction. And we're gonna learn more about that in the chapters to come. But I don't think there was a a true repentance there from this broken man. In fact, Mark Yarbrough, from his book, Jonah Beyond the Tale of a Whale, Sam mentioned this book, great book, uh, for you to pick it up if you want to go deeper with Jonah. But if you look at those first, uh, verse two through verse nine, those are very familiar words. 
In fact, they match up identically with the psalmist. Jonah is not using his words. He's quoting the Psalms. Now, let me say this. There's incredible power when we can memorize God's word. I think it's incredibly powerful when we find ourselves in the belly of a fish or in our own bottom of the ocean moments through this broken world that we live in. It's great that we can recall God's word. I've had to do it in this season of my life and to recall God's word to, to help give me confidence and strength. But if it's just there to, to recite, just to know it, and it, it doesn't transform me, it's useless. I remember Robert Cup years ago telling me, Rodney, if, if you think you can conquer God's word, it, you're, you're, you're fooling yourself. You're never going to be able to conquer God's word. The hope is that God's word would conquer you. Jonah had God's word in his head but he didn't have it in his heart. It wasn't transforming him. It was just transforming him. See, speaking truth and yet not allowing it to change us is not repentance. But the most remarkable part of the story, knowing that Jonah has rejected God's plan, that he's turned his back emotionally and physically and spiritually, gone in the opposite direction of God. That's what makes verse 10 so incredibly powerful. We see a very powerful and stoic conclusion to this chapter after this prayer, knowing that his heart is not fully in it. He hasn't changed his mind. He's reciting the Psalms. And listen to what God says in verse 10. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Now, don't miss this. This is pretty incredible. God, we've already seen lots of miracles in history and in God's word. We know God could do whatever he wants to rescue Jonah from this moment, and yet he chose to vomit him out of a fish. When I think about vomit, it makes me want to vomit. Just the thought of this whale spewing, and even just, I can't even think about it because I might start dry heaving right here in front of you. This whale vomits out Jonah. That's not a pretty picture. It reminds me of how messy God's grace and his mercy is, but he will do what he needs to do to get us in a spot to carry out the mission that he's called us to do. He didn't remove his consequences. His grace and his mercy doesn't always remove the consequences, but he will continue to pursue us, to get our attention, to, to spew Jonah out on the very dry land from the very sea that he was boasting about on the ship in chapter 1. I worship the God who created the sea and the dry land. God chooses to spew him out of this whale onto the dry land from the very sea that he created. See, I think it's an encouragement to know that God showed up for him yet again, even though he was unfaithful. But it also serves as a warning for me. It's going to be messy. It's going to be hard until you finally repent and finally, and finally submit to my plan that I have for you, Rodney. It's going to be messy and it's going to be hard. I need you to follow my way. See, I think vomit equals unfaithfulness. It's nasty. It's unappealing. It smells. And yet God, in his faithfulness, vomits him out. Listen to what Tim Keller says about this. 
He said, God is both too holy and too loving to either destroy Jonah or to allow Jonah to remain as he is. And, and, don't miss this, God is also too holy and too loving to allow us to remain as we are. Do you take that for granted? I know I take it for granted sometimes. Do we take that for granted that God will show mercy to us, that God would show mercy to Jonah, even though he knew his heart wasn't quite there. He lovingly comes alongside him and keeps pursuing him, even though he doesn't deserve it, so that he could continue his mission. And maybe this will be the thing that gets him back on track. It's easy for me to look at this story and become very judgmental. I've heard some people refer to Jonah. This whole book is everything we should not do, by the way. But it's easy to be judgmental toward Jonah, the anti-prophet. But here's where I have to put the mirror up and go, wait a minute. Where have I been the anti-prophet in my life? Where have I rejected God's plan and call for my life? Who are the people that God's calling me to love that are slow to change, that are, that are following this process and destruction, and, and they just won't get it? God, I can't love them. They're too wrong. They're too evil. I get hard-headed, and I start rejecting him, and I've done it too often. I'm not proud of that, but I'm grateful for a God who would continue to pursue me. When I think about my early years of my youth, I grew up in a really messed up, broken home. I don't have enough time to unpack it. But a very dysfunctional home. I was around abuse and, and sex and drugs at a very young age, and it really messed me up as a little boy. And I found myself running from God. I ran away emotionally and spiritually and physically. Get me away from a God that would allow this to happen to me. I'm so glad that he didn't give up on me. He kept sending me new people that would come and meet me in those broken, dark places. And I remember one instance, this youth pastor came into a complex where I was homeless and I was wandering around in a very violent, drug-infested prostitution, just a nasty, dark, evil place. Maybe a, a Nineveh. And he sent this youth pastor who even offered to allow me to come live with him. And I rejected him. I gave him the stiff arm. He was trying to give me this truth that there was a God that would love me and meet me in my sin and my brokenness. And if I'll just repent and change my mind about who's going to be the ruler in my life, that I can come with him and receive him, that my life could be different. I, and I even spit in his face. Get away from me. I don't like the news that you're sharing with me. I never heard God's audible voice, but I heard God's voice through many people who God kept sending my way. Even though I didn't deserve it, he kept showing this mercy. I deserved the worst. I deserved death. God says, I love you too much. He kept sending me people. And one person after another, he kept sending me someone. And finally, he sent me this beautiful couple Mr. and Mrs. Jimmy Taylor, a music teacher and his wife, getting ready to retire. I'm homeless. They find out about it. They invite me in. 
you can live with us. At that point, I'm like, I don't have a place to live. I just want a roof over my head. Just let me live here. But you got to go to church if you're going to live here. Fine, I'll go to your church. I went to their church, and God broke me. He got a hold of me. And for the first time, the path that I was going, I stopped. And there was a changing of my mind. This is not working, God. I'm trying to rule my life. I'm so sick of this life. I'm living in a belly of a fish. I'm miserable. I'm tired of the seaweed around my neck. I changed my mind and I turned around. And I received Christ. And God began to take me toward his plan, his purposes, his direction. And does it mean life was easy? No. But it means that I had someone on my side that I could go to with my anxiety, that I could go to with my fears, that I could go to with my brokenness when I fall down and get it wrong. And he lovingly just wraps his arms around me. That didn't go so well, did it, Rodney? Let's try it again. We began the path toward God's direction and purpose for my life. See, when we run from God's plan, it leads to misery and death. But following his plan, although it may be scary, it may be messy, even difficult, it's always worth it. And so how do we, how do we take a story like Jonah and this, this bizarre story of a guy in the middle of a sea being swallowed up by this giant fish? How do we see our own story in this? May it not just be a story that informs us. That's a neat Bible story. I can't relate. I'm never going to go to Iraq as a missionary. I hope to God I'm never swallowed by a large fish. Where do I see my story in this? So can I just challenge you with just a question? What are you running from? What is God asking you to do in your life and you've run physically and spiritually and emotionally in the other direction and God keeps pursuing you and he's trying to get your attention and you keep rejecting him and yet he keeps pursuing you. What are you running from? What's so scary? What's bringing anxiety up and you're trying to manage on your own that you need to take to the Father? Question that comes to my mind is I wonder what Jonah's life would have been like if he had follow God's plan to be invited into this beautiful broken story to help 120,000 Ninevites find a loving father and to be able to celebrate that with the father. I think he missed out on some incredible blessings. What are you running from? What's got you stuck? What's got you running in the wrong direction in this place of misery and death spiritually and and you're just kind of at your wit's end and God's trying, he's trying to get your attention. Maybe tonight, it's about reaching out to our prayer team. I love the way Tom set up our night, just preparing and softening our hearts. And maybe this is a moment the Holy Spirit is speaking to you that I'm tired of running away from you, God. I need prayer. You've got a beautiful prayer team that wants to pray for you on the walls maybe just even where you sit, that you would just have some conversation with God as we worship in this last song, just speaking directly to him. God, I'm sorry, I repent. 
I don't want to become spiritual and religious with all the, the religious jargon. I want my heart to come to this space. I need you, God. I need you, God. I don't deserve this. Thank you for pursuing me and not giving up on me. What are you running from? A loving Father continues to pursue you. Maybe tonight is the night that you listen and respond changing your mind and going in his direction. Father, thank you for this beautiful body, Fellowship Mosaic. I thank you that it doesn't matter what we walked in here with, the brokenness, the hurt, maybe some numbing agents that we've been running to instead of running to you, Father, and we've been trying to play God with our life, just like Jonah, and you want to invite us into a bigger picture Maybe it's loving someone who's slow to change and we've got bitterness and resentment in our heart that has us in this place of misery. Father, would you meet us in this space? Would you guide us, direct us as we surrender to you? Thank you for not giving up on us, Lord. Thank you for being a merciful, graceful, loving, compassionate Father. May this story transform us, not just inform us that we would walk out of here different than we came in here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.
nothing better than it in this life. And oh, to be a community of followers of Jesus in Northwest Arkansas. Through the fear, through the mess, through the challenges, to continue to follow him well. Hey, if you're in that season of uh, the Lord's calling me to, and, and I just, I, I am going to somewhere else, and you need someone to pray with you, our, our prayer team will be available uh, on either side of the stage tonight for you to be prayed with. Or um, Please, if, if you're not doing life in this season with anybody, if you're kind of trying to, to discern God's will alone, um, that, that's not how the church is meant to function. So we would encourage you, please, if you're looking to get plugged in into a small group, into some way, shape, or form where you could go deeper with brothers and sisters in Jesus, would you just stop by the info booth out front on your way out and let us know that you're looking to get plugged in. Family, we love you. Let's go follow our God well this week and all he has planned. Grace and peace.